0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, April the 28th, uh, April is coming quickly to a close, and May is upon us. So um, we begin now, still in Easter season, we'll begin with the Regina Chaley. Queen of heaven, rejoice, alleluia, for he whom you merited to bear, alleluia, is risen as he said, alleluia, pray for us to God, alleluia, rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, alleluia, for the Lord is truly risen, alleluia. Let us pray, O God, who by the resurrection of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, have vouchsafed to make glad the whole world. Grant, we beseech thee, that through the prayers of the Virgin Mary, we may rejoice to share in his resurrection through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. And we ask the angels to join us here and give us light as we study the scriptures. Sanctus, 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 dominus Deus Sabaot. Pleni sunt celia terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus venit to Nomine Domini, Hosanna in Excelsis. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, thank you for joining us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio on, on Bible with the Barbers. And last week, I asked all of our listeners to please um, get out your phones. And if you have the app, go ahead and share the app with all of, your, all of the contacts that you have in your phone. And let them know that we have this Catholic Bible study and they can join us. They don't have to listen live at 12 o'clock on Friday. If they're not available to do so, they can listen to the podcast. So thank you to the radio stations that pick us up. Thank you to our listeners, our benefactors, and uh, spiritual benefactors, as well as um, material benefactors, our volunteers, all those who work with us. I, we really are grateful. We, This is a work of many people working together, trying to do the Lord's will. Just Trying to spread the gospel. So this week at Daily Mass in the Catholic Church, the gospel of John chapter 6 has been read. It's We're reading the gospel of John chapter 6. And this is really a pivotal, pivotal point in John's gospel. Um, we have Jesus at the beginning of John 6. He feeds the 5,000. Um, he's on the other side of um, the Sea of Galilee. And these people are with him. It's near Passover. It's Passover time, so a lot of people are coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. And the people, Jesus says to, to Philip, he says, um, "The people are hungry. Where can we get enough food to feed them?" And Philip is like, Psh, "I don't know." <laughs> and and so then um, Andrew says, "Well, you know, we got a little boy who has got five barley loaves and two fish, but how can that feed this many? I mean, this is a huge crowd." And so Jesus has them, you know, tells his apostles to have everybody sit down. He blesses the bread, okay. He blesses it, and um, he he distributes it, okay. And there were about five thousand men. And then after they have eaten, Jesus tells the apostles to gather up the fragments so that nothing will be wasted. And so they do. And then um, Jesus perceives the intent of the people. These people were hungry, and they have uh, met him there on the Sea of Tiberias, and um, they bring their sick to be healed. And they were hungry, and now he's fed them. And the people are like, oh, this, he'd make a nice king. You know, he can feed us. We would never be hungry again. If we follow him, we'll never be hungry again. So they want to carry him off to be king. And Jesus knows this. So what he does is he sends his apostles off in the boat. And then he goes off to the mountain alone. Um, and, and Jesus does this. He withdraws to the hills. And during the night, he walks on the sea. If you read all of John 6, um, he walks on the sea that the apostles are out there and a storm has come up on the lake. Now remember, these are fishermen who lived on the the sea. I mean, they went out every night fishing and they're frightened and there's a storm and they're not getting, they didn't get to the other shore yet and Jesus comes walking on the water toward them. They had rode about three or four miles. Well, the the passage across that sea at that point is six miles. So um, they had gone three or four miles and they're still battling against the waves and Jesus comes to them. And then he, they're more than happy to take him in the boat. They get to land. And then the next day, the people, um, you know, they, they, okay, they stayed on the, and they say, wait a minute, wait, no, wait a minute. Jesus' apostles left, and um, we didn't see Jesus leave, but he's not here. So they're going to cross and look for him. And they go across to Capernaum, and they're looking for Jesus, and they find him. And what happens? Um, they come to him, and they say, Um, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus says to them, and of course he cuts right to the quick, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. They said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers had manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them manna from heaven. They're asking for a sign, right? This is really hysterical. If you begin if you read the Gospel of John, Jesus has already changed water into wine at the wedding feast of Cana. He's already um, there were several other um, he heals on the Sabbath, he, um, he heals the official son. I mean he, and then and then oh excuse me, yesterday, do you remember yesterday not, not yesterday as if for, for, for the people here in the gospel. Hey everybody in the crowd, do you, don't you remember what he did yesterday? Just yesterday, I mean, remember there were 5,000 of us over on the other side of the sea and we were all hungry and we fed us. And now they're all saying, what sign are you gonna do? <laughs> do we do this to God a lot? It's like, Lord, yeah, I believe in you, but give me another sign, give me another sign, give me another sign. It's like, no, no, there comes a point where it has to say, you know what, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I, I, I am going to choose you no matter what, because I trust you. You've shown yourself to be trustworthy. You've already worked signs and miracles. And and so here it is. And Jesus has already worked these signs and miracles and the people are still looking for more. Oh, you know, yeah, you fed 5,000 people yesterday, Jesus. But you know, Moses fed them for 40 years in the desert. Well, geez, what does Jesus say to that? He says, um, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, "'My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. "'For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven "'and gives life to the world.'" And they said, "'Lord, give us this bread always.'" Now, the bread that Moses, that the people ate, in the, remember in the Old Testament, manna, what is it? It, it wasn't heavenly bread. It was, it was ho- like hoarfrost that they found on the ground, and it was material. It was, it was bread that they would sustain them physically, but it was a prefigurement. It was a prefigurement. And we know that because now when Jesus feeds the 5,000, he talks, this, this comes up again. So Jesus said to them, aha, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Jesus knows their hearts he knows and by the way Jesus knows our hearts we can't fool him we can't you know we can play a hide-and-seek game but the only person we're fooling is ourself and and Jesus already knows you know when you and I'm going to bring up confession here when we go to confession don't be afraid to confess your sins because Jesus already knows them all hey he already died to gain for us the the, the redemption of our sins Look at the cross. Before you go into the confessional, take five minutes to really look at the cross and say, Jesus died for me, to free me from, this, from the power of sin and to give me the courage and the strength to tell the Lord I am sorry when I sin and to go back to him and ask for forgiveness no matter how many times it takes that I will always humble myself and go back to him and say, Lord, I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. Okay. So the work, the, the they don't believe, even though they've seen signs. And again, this is, you know, sin darkens the intellect and it weakens the will. And we can harden our hearts against God. And that's what we don't want to do. We want to ask God to give us, what was it in the prophet? It says, take away our stony hearts and give us a natural heart. Lord, give us a heart that's able to love. St. Trez of Lazu wrote, I will allow myself a heart that will break. No matter how much suffering my heart is doing, I'm not going to harden my heart to other people. I will offer my sufferings for anyone that God asks me to suffer for so that they might come to know the love of God poured out for them in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are loved by God. So much so that he became man. You know, it's like that God exists is not an article of faith. That he is a trinity of persons is an article of faith. And we need to ask God for the faith to be able to believe what God has revealed. Don't go away. I'll be back with more on Bible with the barbers. We want to really take a good look at this John 6. What is Jesus saying and what does he mean? And what does it mean for us today? Please tell your family and friends to join us on Bible with the barbers or get the app and listen to what we have.
0: Now back to Bible with the barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, April the 28th. And we're looking at John 6. Very, very important chapter in the Gospel of John. And so Jesus has just fed the 5,000 men with uh, five loaves and two fish. And the people wants to see signs to believe in him. (laughs) If you wanna believe in God, ask for the grace of faith, okay? Don't ask for signs. (laughs) My God, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Give me the faith that I need to believe you, Lord, okay? So Jesus says to them, um, you have seen me and yet you do not believe. They saw the signs, but they don't believe. They want more signs. It's like, well, you fed us, you know, feed us again. <laughs> Do this again. Do this for 40 years like Moses did in the desert, you know, and then maybe we'll believe. Remember, in the desert, the people, got, they got tired of the manna, didn't they? Then they complained against, this, uh, against God about this wretched food that he was sending them. I was <laughs> you know, like, no, nothing ever makes us happy, does it? Not when, we keep to, not when we keep insisting on having things our way and serving only our flesh. So he says, but I said to you that you have seen me and you do not believe all that the father gives me will come to me and he who comes to me, I will not cast out for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who sees the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Now the Jews are murmuring at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered, do you murmur among yourselves? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except him who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Okay, so Jesus is trying to draw them from the natural plane. They're stuck in this place where they want food. You fed us yesterday. You can feed us again today. Moses fed the people for 40 years with manna in the desert. Come on, work another sign for us. Feed us again. Um, And he's trying to raise them to the supernatural plane. Don't be working for the things of this earth only. Yes, we have to take care of the needs of the body, but we shouldn't get stuck there. We shouldn't be just working for the needs of the body. We want to be working for the things of heaven. We want to be in union with God. We want to be doing the will of God, putting our faith in him and asking him for the grace to draw us into union with himself. And then Jesus goes on. I am the bread of life. Yes, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread, which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus said it. He said the bread that he would give for the life of the world was his flesh eat my flesh and drink my blood. I am the bread of life. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. And then he goes on. Now the Jews disputed among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. It's the eating of the flesh of the Son of Man that's going and drinking his blood that's going to give us spiritual life. Now they're thinking, again, they're still on an earthly plane. They're thinking cannibalism. You know that for a Jew, you were forbidden to eat blood? You couldn't drink the you had they had to take all the blood out of the meat of the animal before they ate it, the animal, you know. They, so, just, so this is this is horrifying to their ears because they're remaining on a human level. They're not. They're not keying into um, the possibility of a divine revelation taking place here, and so it's interesting because up to this point in the discourse, the word that Jesus uses for for eat is a Greek word, um, esthio, and it's a common verb for eating, okay? Beginning in verse 54, he's going to change. He's going to change the verb that he uses for eating. It's more stark. So he used the common verb up until now, but he does, but he does say we have to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that this is what will give us life. But he's talking about a spiritual life. And he's not talking about cannibalism. And this is the difficulty. They were still stuck on the earthly plane. They're thinking in terms of, what are we supposed to do? Cut up his body and eat it? So he goes on. They're they're confused. They're not believing. They're not understanding fully. But they're getting a little uncomfortable because they're beginning to realize that he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood so of course if he means it symbolically at this point he would say well wait a minute guys i'm talking symbolically i'm talking about a spiritual eating that's symbolic right you'd think that's what he'd do right to explain to them so that they don't get more confused and more scandalized um so what does he do in verse 54 he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food, indeed, and my blood is drink, indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now, I said he changed the verb. So from, from the verb estio, which is the common verb for eating in the first part, in the first few verses there, uh, John 6, 50, 51, and 53, in John 6, 54, 56, 57, 58, the verb is changed to trogo, and it means to chew or gnaw. And it's used to describe the feeding of animals and sometimes to describe human, human eating. But it's, it's used right here four times, and it, it marks this shift in the vocabulary. So it's, it's a graphic. Jesus is being graphic. Instead of, when the people start to realize that he's talking, he's, he's not, he's talking in a realistic way about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And he doesn't back off. He reinforces it. No, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. But again, where are they seeing it? They're seeing it on an earthly plane. And he connects the eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood with the resurrection. And what's interesting is we understand that when Jesus feeds us in the Eucharist, he feeds us on his risen, ascended, glorified body. It's not cannibalism. And he comes to us under the appearance of bread and wine. Catholics believe and always have. By the way, this is, not, this is not new. The Catholic Church didn't make this up at the Council of Trent. This, wasn't, this, is, this was the Catholic belief from the beginning. Um, we receive Jesus in Holy Communion. In Communion, preceded by the Lord's Prayer, the breaking of the bread, the faithful received the bread of heaven and the cup of salvation, the body and blood of Christ, who offered himself for the life of the world. And there's a quote here from the Fathers of the Church from St. Justin Martyr, okay? Because the bread and the wine have been made Eucharist, Eucharisted, according to the ancient expression, we call the food Eucharist. And no one may take part in it unless he believes that what we teach is true, has received baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and new birth, and lives in keeping with what Christ taught. In other words, we don't have a right to receive Holy Communion in terms of, well, this is, anyone, I can just go take this. This is, you know, mine for the taking. No, it's not ours for the taking. Holy Communion is a gift, and it's a gift from God. <clears throat> and um, we have to receive it worthily. And Justin Martyr says there, you have to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And Saint Paul warns in Corinthians in one Corinthians eleven about um, the danger of eat, of receiving the Holy Eucharist without um part- without being worthy. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manny- manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. So we're supposed to examine ourselves. an unworthy manner, receiving Eucharistic communion can be an act of sacrilege and self-condemnation if done in a state of serious sin. And for Paul, what what the Holy Spirit is saying, St. Paul here, it's, it's actually a sin against the body and blood of the Lord that we're liable for the Lord's violent death. And and he goes on to say, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment unto himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. That's in 1 Corinthians 11. That's verses 27 through, um, through 30. So we have to discern the body and blood of the Lord. So Jesus establishes this. He talks about you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And at that point, um, you know, the people are murmuring and grumbling. And, you know, his disciples heard it and say, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus knows that they murmured, and he says, Do you take offense at this? I hear the music. It's time for a break. We'll be back in just a um, short few minutes. Uh, please share that with your family and friends and church members and all the people you know that there is a Bible study, and you're welcome to join us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you to our benefactors, our listeners, and pick us up, to all of those of you who pray for us and are volunteers
0: now back to Bible with the Barbers if you have a question or comment call 888-526-2151 here's Terry and Mary Danielle
1: welcome welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday April the 28th and we're talking about John 6 and the bread of life discourse and when Jesus tells them that he is the bread of life and they have to eat his flesh and drink his blood and they murmur about it, he doesn't say, oh, wait a minute, I'm just talking figuratively. They didn't mean that you really have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Um, no, he doubles down on it and he tells them they have to. Now, it's interesting because later on, and and I know some, and this, this was never an interpretation of the scripture until after um, the Protestant Reformation that um, rejected the Eucharist as being truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For 1500 years, it was always believed that the, the whole Eucharist, that the, at Mass, through the priesthood, the, that Jesus acts in the and through the priest, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to change the bread and wine to change the entire substance of the bread and wine into the substance of his risen, ascended, glorified body, blood, soul, and divinity. Jesus remains the son of man, the God-man in heaven. He still has his body, the very body that died on the cross. His scars are now glorified, but he still bears those scars in heaven. He is the victim who immolated himself who for all eternity offers to the Father this act of immolated love. So Jesus is calling us. He's trying to draw us. I will feed you with my own flesh in order to nourish your souls. But in such a manner that it's not cannibalism. He feeds us under the appearance of bread and wine. He doesn't exist in the bread and the wine. The bread and the wine no longer exist after the consecration at Mass. It is really Jesus. And we know that because he said it. Okay, John 6, John is the only gospel that doesn't give the Last Supper narrative where Jesus institutes the Holy Eucharist. Because John 6 talks about what the Holy Eucharist, what the Last Supper narrative fulfills, this promise in John 6, This promise is made in John 6 that Jesus will give us his flesh and blood to eat. And at the Last Supper, he takes the bread and breaks it and says, this is my body, which is given for you. And then he takes the chalice and says, this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he says after both, do this in remembrance of me. Not a remembering as if it were a past event, but a remembrance as in the Passover where when the Jews remembered the Passover, they understood that mystically somehow that past moment was present in their midst right now. And so we too, the consecration of the bread and wine are separate. Why? Because Jesus really died. He really is a victim. You You have to break bread to eat it, right? It has to be broken. His body would have to be broken. He came to give himself to us, totally give himself and not just spiritually, but physically, he would feed our souls by feeding us on his risen, ascended, glorified body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. The Church has always believed this, and it wasn't the first heresy again, that that was came up was Berengarius in the ten or eleven hundreds, and there was some, and he was an archpriest or something. Anyway, Berengarius he recanted. He. he He gave some teaching that wasn't true about the Eucharist, and he did recant. He recanted his teaching and and professed the true faith of the Church. And it wasn't until the Protestants rebelled against the Catholic Church in the 1500s that all of a sudden you had this question about the sacraments that Jesus had established. So for 1500 years, you had this Christianity that was continuous, and then in the 1500s, it suddenly changed. Well, some... Some people like to say, well, wait a minute. It it talks about the words of eternal life after verse 60. You know, many of his disciples are no longer going to walk. They said, this is hard to say. This is a hard saying. How can we endure it? And Jesus answers. He says to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the son of man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. So here's the deal. He's not saying that his flesh is of no avail, because if it were, why would he die on the cross for us? He's saying that as long as you remain on the earthly plane, as long as you're thinking that I'm going to feed you as if it were cannibalism, or as long as you're just following me because you want enough food to eat, no, you have to be raised to the spiritual level. You have to be seeking the things of heaven. We have to seek the life of the Spirit. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to live in us and to transform us into a living image of Jesus Christ. And that happens when we receive him in the Eucharist because we really do receive Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. And he transforms us into a living image of himself. And so Jesus knew that he was losing popularity But he's not here. He didn't come to be a popular teacher. He didn't come to tickle people's ears. He came to reveal the truth to us. And so he gives us his own flesh and blood to eat. He died on the cross for us, but he didn't leave us. He remains with us in the Eucharist to feed our souls on his own body, blood, soul, and divinity. You know, when God speaks the word, it happens. Do we believe that Jesus Christ was God? At the Last Supper, he took the bread into his hands and said, this is my body. He is God. The second person of the Blessed Trinity is speaking these words. Can God give us his flesh to eat? Well, can God become man? Can the man, Jesus of Nazareth, although he's... Walk on water? Can he raise the dead? Can he heal the leper? Can he cure the lame and the blind and the crippled? Does he have power over his own body? He walks on water. He fasts in the desert for 40 days without food or water. Fasts and and doesn't drink water for 40 days in the desert. Does he have power over his own body? When they were going to stone him or kill him, before his hour had come, Does he escape from them? Even here in John 6, when they were going to come to make him their bread king, he slips away from them. Does he have power over nature? Does he calm the storm? Does he tell the sea, be quiet, be still, and calm the storm? Does he raise the dead? Does he cure the sick and the lame and the blind and the deaf and those who can't speak? And the lepers, how clearly did he have to show that he was God present among us? And he even, had the, uh, he even forgave sins, right? Who has the power to forgive sins except God alone? Correct. But then he gives that power to his church. Jesus established a church. One church. You are rock, and on this rock I will build my church. And in yes, I know in Matthew's gospel, you know, it says, Oh, you're a rock, little rock, Peter, because you're a petro, so you're a little pebble. But a petra is a is a feminine noun. <laughs> petra, huge boulder, is a feminine noun. So Jesus doesn't call Peter a woman. He doesn't call him by a woman's name. He calls him by a masculine form of the word for rock. But it's not just Peter's confession of faith. Jesus makes Peter the head of the apostles. He establishes his church, just as in the Old Testament. Remember, the Old Testament was a preparation for the coming of the Messiah. And in the Old Testament, there was a specific religion with specific instructions on how to worship God, with a specific priesthood and a specific place in which they were to worship, the temple in Jerusalem. Very specific. In the, Of course, in the wilderness, before they got to the promised land, they had the meeting tent where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. But everything was very specific. And so God is so specific in the Old Testament and, and now all of a sudden in the New Testament he's just going to say, oh, whatever you feel, we can all decide for ourselves. Everybody can make up their own mind. And that's what happens. That's what happened when the Protestants split from the Catholic Church. And immediately, you know, even, even among the denominations that split, you had a split among the split. And up to the point where now we have over 30,000 denominations, Christ only founded one church, the Catholic Church, and he left the sacraments to his church. So Jesus has the words of eternal life. Yes, and it is his spirit that will give life. But if we remain on an earthly plane and we only want to follow the Lord because he's going to make us healthy and wealthy and comfortable in this world, then we don't have his spirit. And that's what he's telling the people here. He's not not doing away with everything he already said about he was the bread of life and you had to eat his flesh and drink his blood. But at the Last Supper, he shows his apostles how that's gonna come about. Because he changes the bread and wine into his own body, blood, soul, and divinity. Risen, ascended, glorified. This, he can do this, he is God. He has power over nature. He has power to command the substance of bread and wine to change into the substance of his own body, blood, soul, and divinity, risen, ascended body, blood, soul, and divinity without changing its appearance. God is God and I am not. And I believe it because God said it and he taught it. And so we have this. And, and Jesus knew he would lose popularity. He knew that people weren't believing. So people left him. At John six, people leave him. He he loses he loses the you know, as it were, the what do you call it, the upper echelon of society that was following him. He had five thousand men there. Believe me, five thousand men. He had just fed them. Guess what? They're all ready to go into rebellion against Rome if he'll lead them. That's not what he's here for. He's not here to establish a worldly kingdom. And and then and then, you have his disciples. And his disciples are going to leave him. And we have a little more to cover on this before we finish. And um, we're coming up against a break. I want to thank you for joining us. Please do share Virgin Most Powerful radio app on your phone with all your contacts. And let them know. Go ahead and listen to this app. Listen to this radio station. Um, And ask your family and friends to join us, especially on Bible with the Barbers. And they can listen anytime on the podcast. I'll be right back with more.
0: now back to bible with the barbers if you have a question or comment call 888 526 here's terry and mary danielle
1: so we're talking about john six and we're coming to the end of this program today and we uh, just you know want to emphasize jesus was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and um he knows that some people aren't believing him and that they're finding it a hard saying and And some of them leave, and some of his disciples leave. And so in the end, he turns to his apostles and said, okay, the 12, are you going to leave me? And Peter speaks up, and he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answers, did I not choose you, the 12, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who would betray him? Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. He knew that when he chose him, and and um, it's Judas makes his break with Jesus here. He he is, you know, he's he, he's not going to give up his worldly ways or his worldly way of thinking about things, and so he's like, but he's not going to leave. He's not going to be honest. The other the disciples who were honest enough to leave, maybe there's a possibility that they'll come back. But for Judas, it's no, because he's being lukewarm. It's like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna manipulate things and have things my way, and I'm gonna keep manipulating things. And that's what we have to ask ourselves, these kind of questions when we read these things. Am I am I like Judas? Am I staying and just kind of manipulating things and saying, well, you know, you know, I don't really believe, but so I'll play this game, you know, and pretend like I believe. No, we can't play games with God. God knows, he sees, he sees through the heart, and he wants us to believe. If you want to believe, ask him for the gift to believe. You know, for all the Catholics out there who haven't been to mass and communion for a while, go to confession and come back home, come back to receive Jesus. Jesus, this is intimate. He, at the last supper, he takes the bread and he breaks it and he says, take, eat, this is my body. And he takes the chalice and he gives thanks saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins he institutes the Eucharist in order that he can feed us on his own body, blood, soul, and divinity. That he can strengthen our souls to be able to keep the commandments, to live according to his will, and to live in union with him. There's a greater union here. A mother you know, gives life to her infant, but the infant remains separate from her. She grows inside the mother's womb, but she's not part of the mother's body. And then the mother gives her birth. And if she nurses her, the mother continues using her body to nourish her child. But Jesus gives his very self to be our nourishment. We eat his very flesh and blood, but he is God. And so he can feed each one of us. And we couldn't believe this if God hadn't revealed it. This isn't something man made up or came up with. God revealed this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The second person of the Blessed Trinity really became man. He really took to himself a human nature. He really lived among men, and he came to die. He's foreshadowing the cross here. He breaks the bread, and his own flesh he will give for the life of the world. He's talking about his cross, and he's also talking about the Eucharist. Not just the cross. Yes, his own flesh, he will give for the life of the world. He will die on the cross for us. But more than that, he will feed us with his own flesh and blood. And he's not doing it to be popular. He's doing it because we need spiritual nourishment. We need more than the worldly goods. We need more than food for the body. Padre Pio once said, the world would exist more easily without the sun than without the holy sacrifice of the mass. The holy sacrifice of the mass is not a separate sacrifice from Calvary. It's the perpetual memorial, but it's not just Calvary. It's the entire paschal mystery of our Lord, his passion, his death, his burial, his resurrection from the dead, his glorification. The mass the mass. The world would exist more easily without the sun, and without the holy sacrifice of the mass. Sin offends God. Sin is a real offense against God who is real. And and grievous sin offends God grievously. And when society becomes so evil that it looks as if the devil has won. God is much offended and he will discipline his children. We have to turn back to the Lord and ask forgiveness of our sins. And we have to ask for the grace to believe all that he has revealed. I remember once Father Festio came to Southern California. This was in the um, 1989, actually. I believe it was Holy Week of 1989. And he came to speak um, at a pro-life conference an operation rescue rally and he spoke at a uh, we, we were in anaheim and there was this big uh, i don't know we they'd rented a big building operation rescue had rented this big building and father fessio talked about we need to end abortion abortion is a horrible crime and we need to end it but then father fessio said something that really made a lot of people uncomfortable he said there's a, something worse though present in our world than abortion that we need to end We need to end the divisions among Christians. We need to come back to the truth of the faith that Jesus Christ revealed and start living the fullness of faith and and become one church again. Not a new church. The one church that Jesus Christ founded. We need to live. We can't invent a new church. Christ founds the church. (laughs) He founded his church. And it, it, it is everything, all the truths, all the, that Jesus revealed, all the sacraments that he gave, all the means of salvation exist in the Catholic church. And if you go back and read the fathers of the church, you find out that they believed there were seven sacraments. They believed that Jesus Christ was really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. Just like Paul said, if you go to Holy Communion unworthily, you're eating condemnation because you're guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. You're guilty of killing him. So we repent of our sins. God is merciful. He doesn't want us to remain in our sin. That's why he gives us his own flesh and blood to eat in the Eucharist. That's why he gave us seven sacraments to free us from sin and the power of sin and to accompany us because we are weak. We do need God's help and we do sin. Confession, why did he establish the sacrament of confession so that we could confess our sins and get back in the graces of God and continue to receive him in the Eucharist because by receiving him in the Eucharist worthily and and by discerning that it's really his body, blood, soul and divinity and that by receiving him I am united to all the members of his body. you know that the church the church is the body of Christ and we are individually members thereof. It's his mystical body. And he feeds us on his own flesh and blood in the Eucharist. John 6. And so, yeah, John's gospel doesn't have the institution narrative from the Last Supper because he has the bread of life discourse in John 6. And all three of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, excuse me, all three aspects that had already been written when John wrote his. John wrote his gospel last. Matthew wrote his gospel while Peter and Paul were in Rome, laying the foundations of the church there. And Matthew wrote his gospel in the Hebrew language. We've lost the Hebrew, but the Greek was passed on to us. It was translated into Greek. That's the witness of St. Irenaeus. And by the way, that's the footnote in the Second Vatican Council document as to when and how the gospels were written. Matthew, the apostle Matthew, the Levi the tax collector, wrote his gospel in the language of the Hebrews while Peter and Paul were in Rome, laying the foundations of the church there. Upon their departure, Irenaeus goes on in his witness, Mark wrote the gospel as it had been preached by Peter, and Luke wrote the gospel as it had been preached by Paul. Later, John wrote his gospel. And John, being aware that of the threefold aspects of the gospel that had already been told and were so similar, he told those things which hadn't been told, and he didn't repeat anything unnecessarily. And so since the institution of the Holy Eucharist had already been written three times in the gospel, in the, in the three aspects of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, and also in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes it in his letter to the Corinthians, John had no need to repeat that. So he put John 6 in his gospel, To say, yes, Jesus promised us he would give us his flesh and blood to eat. And as a matter of fact, he commanded us to eat his flesh and blood. And at the last supper, he made that possible. God doesn't command us to do something that's impossible. Yeah, he commands us to do things that are beyond our strength if we're relying on ourselves. Because he commands us to love. Love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, and soul. With all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. But at the Last Supper, Jesus said, love your neighbor as I have loved you. It's like, whoa. So Jesus, St. Therese of Lezou, prayed, Jesus, give me your heart. Lend me your heart with which to love my neighbor so I can love my neighbor as you have commanded. But when Jesus gives us a command that's beyond our own power and strength to carry out, he's going to give us the means to do that. And he commanded us to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And he didn't mean it symbolically. When people left him, because they took it literally, he didn't correct them and he didn't stop them from going away. He let them leave. And so he really meant it. And at the Last Supper, he really made it possible by changing bread and wine, the substance of the bread and wine, into the substance of his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And this is the constant faith of the church from the beginning. Go back and read The Fathers of the Church. Read the Fathers of the Church and see what they wrote. They explained to us what the disciples taught. And it is the Church who gave us the Scriptures. The Scriptures didn't come to us directly from God in the sense of God dropped a book down. It was the Church who said, this is the canon of Scripture. It was the Catholic Church. And it was in... 394, 397, and 419, I believe. There were several councils and synods there. And they gave us the canon, and that canon was codified at the Council of Trent. It wasn't changed. It was codified because certain of the Protestant reformers rejected certain parts of the scripture, scripture that had been held by the church since the the late 300s and the early 400s when it was declared by the bishops of the Catholic Church. We are coming to the end of this program. I'd like you to share this with all your family and friends and encourage your family and friends who have left the church to come back, come back home. And for anyone who hasn't fully explored the possibility of becoming Catholic, consider it and ask the Lord to lead you, to lead you to the fullness of the faith so that you can enjoy the fullness of Jesus Christ. He wants to draw us into intimate, personal communion with himself, not only through prayer, but in the Holy Eucharist by feeding us on his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Thank you again to all the radio stations who pick up our signal. Thank you to our benefactors, to those who offer their prayers and sufferings for us. For all of those who listen, thank you for sharing this app and all this information about Virgin Most Powerful Radio with all your family and friends and church members and so that uh, we can grow this apostolate and more and more people can come to know and love the Lord or God, and fall more deeply in love with him.